Okay, here we go. Uh, hello! Welcome to episode... What is this now? Six? Uh, six or seven? <laughs> it's yeah. hard to tell. Episode six of Brainstorm Kitchen. And, uh, we have our second interview. We actually convinced someone else to talk to us, if you can believe <laughs> that. Uh, we had Jesse, who's a really awesome uh, YouTuber who does the channel Stillit. And uh, he's from New Zealand, and he has this real... So I actually had, did the interview with him, um, Quinn. The time zones were just really crazy. So uh, I did the interview with, with uh, Jesse, and um, we're able to talk about uh, distilling and um, New Zealand and a lot of really cool topics. So I hope you enjoy this. Um, and uh, an interesting thing to note as they get into quickly, but obviously a lot of places distilling is illegal but in New Zealand it basically is completely legal so that's interesting and it's interesting to um, hear someone's perspective who is doing it as a sort of open hobby. It's a really cool uh, podcast and I hope you give it a listen. So and, uh, if you like this kind of stuff please feel free to share the podcast and uh, if you're really interested you can also check out the patreon it really helps us a lot and uh, especially getting the word out there and and you know kind of letting people know this is really a small podcast right now and uh, every every share really helps so thanks <laughs> uh so yeah. we are doing this podcast right now and we're mostly centered around food and and science and just kind of like i don't know kind of nerdy food stuff and uh, awesome. you are running a channel. Maybe you want to talk a little bit more about your channel, but you're running a channel and you got our interest and we, we thought it'd be really awesome to talk to you. So you have any, uh, maybe just explain who you are and what, you, what your channel is. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, so my name's Jesse. Uh, I live in New Zealand, way down at the bottom of the world. Uh, and about 10 months ago, I was working a job that kind of used to be cool, but got pretty boring and stagnant. And I just needed, I guess, uh, an outlet for geekery, something to sort of sink my teeth into. And I identified uh, YouTube as something that could be fun and something that I wanted to learn. So I started looking for an excuse to start a channel, basically. And I ran a few ideas sort of around in my head. And um, coming from home brewing and um, a few other sort of, uh, I guess, DIY hobbies, I ended up landing on distilling, basically because we've got the opportunity to do it legally down here, uh, which meant I could be super open about it and just record everything and not have to worry about the legalities the other people do in different parts of the world. Um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much how I ended up doing it. That's, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's also, I mean, I think really it's the only place that it's, well, it, so in here in Germany, it is legal, but up to 500 milliliters. Um, and then I think right. in some other places, it's I've been told it's kind of like they'll turn the other head. I know, for example, in like uh, <laughs> in like uh, I was in Serbia, for example, and they're like it, it's technically legal, but everybody does it. Everybody makes their own. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just it's there's just that's there's that those kind of laws. But it, I think it really just like straight up, flat out legal is only in New Zealand, right? Is this is this the case? Uh, as far as I can tell, man, I I had a message from someone about three days ago, just reaching out. Um, because he'd seen a video and he was from Holland and he mentioned that it was legal there, but I haven't looked into that. Uh, and it does seem like there are 
places where it's a um, a gray area, and sometimes people get, um, I guess, the wrong impression about the, what the laws are exactly where they are. Not saying that that's the case for him, but yeah, I, I just haven't checked to be honest. I mean, honestly, I think it's very, very complicated. And I mean, even for example, in the U.S., you can do it for fuel, but you can't do it for you know drinking. But in some places, it's yeah. like even finding out here, yeah, you can do it, but it's uh, five hundred up to five hundred milliliters. Um, yeah, I, which I, is pretty restrictive. Yeah. I heard a story in, uh, I think it was either in Switzerland or France, uh, one of my colleagues, um, in their town, they can distill, but like they, you know, you, you can make everything for the distill except for the condenser arm. And the condenser arm, huh? you actually have to go to the town hall and you have to like pay the taxes on like how much like alcohol you're going to distill. And then you can distill it in your home. You can like basically they have the condenser arm under lock and key. They give it to you for like a few days. <laughs> they can come by and inspect to make sure you're not doing more than you're supposed to. And then uh, then you bring the condenser arm back. And it's like it's a really what? it's a really that sounds like a really weird system. Like like okay like this seems right. a bit extreme. But um, where is that? I think it's either in France or in Switzerland. So I, my colleague wow. is he lived on the border of France and Switzerland. I can't remember where he actually grew up on which side. But uh, he told me this story, and I was like, "That's just—it's absolutely crazy." But um, that is—I'm gonna have to look yeah. into that. Yeah. It's pretty funny if it's. <laughs> I mean, so is there? So okay, I guess let me. One thing I'd like to start with is just talking about like types of liquor and types of spirits and this kind of stuff to begin with. And um, yeah. one thing is when I when I moved here, I just completely was. Uh, so let me first start off. I, I grew up in the U.S., and there you're mm -hmm. exposed to the, just like the standard liquor. You've got tequila, whiskey, or by whiskey, I mean Jack Daniels and, you know, vodka. Yeah. Like there's there's this kind of stuff that you're exposed to when, you know, when I was living in the U.S. And, you know, there might be some weird thing with flavors and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, they might mix vodka with some flavoring and it's a new kind of vodka. But for the most mm -hmm. part, like those are the standard ones. Like those are, you know, those are what you're experience, you know, experience. Moving here to Germany, uh, I've started to see all sorts of crazy stuff that I've never even thought of before. This distilled from, you know random flowers or you know whatever and just kind of you know somehow yeah. somehow infused and, and and whatever and i i kind of had the question maybe you have the answer like why why is it that we have the liquors why why is vodka a standard go-to as opposed to you know some other liquors that you might experience elsewhere in the world and uh yeah i i think just before I even get started, I gotta say too, like I'm by no means a uh, an expert on any of this stuff. My no, no, the no whole <laughs> no worries, no worries. The no whole worries. Uh, yeah, the whole um, sort of preference of the channel for me is more I'm learning it. Um, so sort of come along and learn with me. And ah. if I screw up, then you have a laugh and yeah, um, you help me fix it out or you know so on and so forth. Um, and saying that, I've been doing it for a little while, and and I guess I'm a little bit like you too. I, I'm a geek at heart, and I just sort of. You know, I, I learn things for the fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think I think essentially the answer to the question is that it, it kind of comes from the way that people define spirits, I guess, and, and the way that they put labels on it. And at the end of the day, vodka is essentially um, you can make vodka from anything. There's, there's nothing saying that you have to make it from. Um, a certain ingredient that starts with so the whole like you know vodka's made from potatoes is just that's you can make vodka from potatoes but all vodka is not made from potatoes if that makes sense yes. um, so at the end of the day vodka is basically just a, a clear spirit that has been distilled to a very high AVV 
uh, and then proofed down or, or essentially watered back down to whatever uh, ABV that you're drinking it at or proof that you're drinking it at normally are around about 40%. So you can have like a neutral grain vodka. Um, you can make vodka from fruit or, or anything else. So essentially, I guess it's kind of the, um, I guess the quintessential base spirit, if that makes sense. It's sort of just uh, anyone that, any country or any region that is distilling and, and making um, high proof liquor will generally have a version of vodka um, Which that is, they produce as well. Just, just because it's like the standard, you know, you can make it from anything kind of. I mean, in, in this much, in this it, way, I guess yeah. kind of anything you make is vodka. So or, or in kind of in this or way, could or? be vodka. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I guess the thing that defines it is that you you distill it to a very Pure. high ABV. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're sort of aiming for upwards of, you know, 93, 94% up towards the um, azotrope area and yeah. then cutting it down. So flavor will carry over. Um, there's a lot of people that say that the definition of vodka is basically a, a flavorless, odorless spirit. Okay. Uh, which uh, I, I tend to disagree with. Um and I think anyone that sort of is really into vodka would disagree with as well. There is a lot of sort of nuance and flavor um, yeah. between vodkas. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, <but> yeah, <laughs> that's cool. I mean, I think that's a that's a good start. Uh, I mean, like this is, is kind of already starting to answer the question. Um, but like, for example, maybe maybe you don't know this, but I mean, I'm just kind of curious now that we're talking about it. Like, why why for example, yeah. why was whiskey so successful? Why is that kind of one of these things that we uh, we kind of you'll find whiskey anywhere or versions of whiskey and yeah. you know of course the the base which is like corn or or wheat or um depending i guess the different definitions of of yeah. um, whiskies but you know the whole process with aging in a barrel and all of this stuff like do you know how this came to be and like why why do we do this with this and why don't we do this you know why is cognac not as popular or i don't know <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I'm not entirely sure. I'm, I, I haven't gone into the history a lot. Um, but, I mean, sort of bourbon, Tennessee whiskey, Scotch, Irish whiskey, they're all whiskey. Um, and, and I guess it's maybe a cultural thing, a historical thing. Um, I, and I wouldn't want to say... I've got a few little inklings on, on what happened there, but I, I don't know enough to, to sort of explain that. Fair enough. Really. <laughs> you don't um, want anybody to sue it, you. It is very interesting, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't want the big boys coming after me and telling me I'm wrong. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I think the Scotch thing, I mean, Scotch was huge for a long time and then it died off and it, it's sort of making a bit of a resurgence, I think, in, in more popular culture. Um and I, I, it seems the same way in America too, with with bourbon and, and even moonshine now as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the moonshine's actually. I, I, we we had a little discussion beforehand, but basically talking mm -hmm. about how uh, moonshine has kind of become repopular in the U.S. I feel like maybe you can uh, message us if you disagree with that. But I feel like, uh, for example, my parents live in Tennessee, and uh, you know they have all these micro distilleries now, where uh, um, basically you can go and you can do moonshine tastings. And uh, the, mm -hmm. the principal model is pretty great. They just make one type of moonshine, and then uh, they um, dilute it to the to d different concentrations, and then they add uh, 
ridiculous amounts of sugar coloring and flavoring <laughs> and uh they call them different types of moonshine and and you know it's great yeah. i mean you go there and you know they have the samples and you get these little thimbles and you can drink like i don't know five different types of moonshine in the end it's all the same base uh base liquor but you know it's mm. it's still kind of fun to i don't know drink sugar <laughs> basically yeah. at some point these are just sugar but yeah it's it's funny um uh yeah there's a whole there's a whole community based around, especially in the home distilling world, <clears throat> excuse me, about flavoring um, essentially what you would call moonshine as well. There's like a very big community based around what you can put into it. You know, probably the most famous is the apple pie moonshine, yeah. which is uh, apple and spices. So essentially you're taking a, a moonshine and then infusing it with flavors, um, either by dropping like literally dropping fruit into it and letting it soak for a week or two and then straining it. Um, or by, you know, there's even stuff like people using Skittles, you know, dissolving Skittles <laughs> I, into I've the I've heard of that before, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be like, uh, I, I really feel like it's going to be interesting because, I mean, the Skittles, don't they dissolve pretty much at some point? They're just like, they're gone. Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I can't say that that's my jam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that, that's not really what I'm into, but all power to you, man, if, that, yeah. if that's your thing. Yeah, fair um, Some of the other ones are pretty cool, like just strawberry, straight strawberry, you know, cut, cut a, a whole lot of strawberries up, jam a jar full of it, tip the moonshine over, let it sit for a week, pull the strawberries out, replace the strawberries, rinse and repeat until you get bored of it. Mm. Um, I haven't tried that yet. That that sounds pretty awesome, though. I have tried a few other infusions, but not um not much with uh, like a corn-based well, I mean, that's a whole thing, too. Like, what is moonshine? What's the definition of moon, moonshine? Um, I guess if you ask six different people that, you'll probably get six different answers. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just, just quickly, if you could do it in, like, a, you know, a few sentences, what, what would be your definition of moonshine? Just, like, uh, or is that, is that, are oh. we going back into litigious, like, you're going to get attacked? No, 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 no. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Um, for me, basically, moonshine is an illegally distilled spirit. That, that would be my definition of it. Um, but if you're talking about America specifically, then you're sort of getting into more the ingredients or even how it was made. So that would be more, um, it's going to be predominantly corn or if not all corn, uh, and then distilled to a high-ish ABV, but not crazy high. So maybe you know, 80 to 80, 80%, probably around about there. Okay. Um, and then, cut back down to however crazy you are <laughs> you know some people will drink it straight but yeah um yeah so predominantly like if you're in america where the, the term is now probably the most popular even yeah. though there's sort of uh, some discussion that the term moonshine probably came over from um from europe somewhere um referencing you know um distilling at night under the cover of darkness so the authorities can't find you uh, that's still sort of the uh, the reference used in America now. But once it's in America and, and for <laughs> Americans, it, it sort of references the the style and the flavor yeah. as well. Yeah, that's my understanding of it. Yeah, I I think in yeah that's I that's a really uh, I like this definition. But I, as far as the name goes and calling it moonshine now, I think that's something that in America we tend to do is just butcher the original names of stuff. For example, calling champagne anything that's sparkling wine or yeah, <laughs> everything that kind of tastes like Parmesan is Parmesan. So it's just like, you know, it's it's kind of a I think that's a thing that we do in the U.S. Um, 
But, uh, okay, actually, so one thing, I guess it's like, this is kind of a common question and slash uh, maybe we can just go over it. But as far as like, like, let's just, I guess we can kind of talk about like home distilling in general and um, yeah. kind of maybe why it's illegal and maybe some of the reasons and maybe some of like the myths and stuff that surround this. Um, we can just get this off the table and discuss some of this stuff. Um, but starting with, I guess, uh, you know, in your opinion, um, you know, would you think? Do you think that um, most of the time, where it's illegal because of you know tax reasons, or is it because of health? Is you know, is it really that dangerous to be distilling? Um, you know, should should we be concerned if you know if somebody's doing moonshine in their house? Like, could they be hurting themselves? Um, I know you have a video on this, but maybe you want to just we can just discuss this here a little bit. Of course, yeah. Um, so I think I, I think a lot of it as a throwback to sort of prohibition and, and that sort of time um, in various countries at various times, you know, um, alcohol is the devil, right? Um, and, and I think a lot of it for most people is simply that that's the way the law is because that's the way the law was and changing any sort of legislation like that takes time and more importantly money. And it's one of those things that if there's not a whole lot of people jumping up and down and, and yelling about it, it's not going to just change. Um, and saying that, I, th I think you're right. I think there are some factors that are fighting uh, to keep it illegal. And I, I don't know how true any of this is. It sort of logically makes sense, but I, I haven't seen um, proof of it, so I don't want to yeah. you know, be insulting anyone. But, but one of the big things is, or one of the big feelings in the community, I would say, is definitely true, is that basically big liquor for want of a better term, are making a whole lot of money out of it and don't want to uh, give up ground on it. So you've instantly got very deep pockets um, with, uh, you know, the ears of influential people um, that would disagree with the idea that home distilling should be made legal uh, simply because they want to protect their investment, which I can understand, but at the same time it sucks. Yeah. Um, whether or not that, you know, how true that is, I haven't seen evidence of it, but, um, you know, you can't help but think that there's got to be some truth in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, but, but going back to your first definition, I've never heard this one before, and I kind of, I kind of like this, at least, um, this, this kind of apathy that maybe people just don't really, don't really maybe know about it or don't really think about yeah. changing it. Like, there might not be a culture... For example, I think so. Homebrewing, at least in the U.S., homebrewing beer in the U.S. was um, mm -hmm. was illegal for a long time, and it was really, um, and I think also in England as well, and a lot of other countries. And there was yeah. kind of a push in the '70s to to make it legal, and um, yeah. there was a, because there was a giant community, and that kind of the giant community really pushed it towards uh, towards legalization, and it, and it happened. Um, and uh, maybe you don't I, – I mean, I don't know because I, I don't really know that many other people that distill, but uh, you don't really – at least I don't feel like I hear so much about distilling um, outside of maybe just a few forums and stuff. But I mean, I'm not plugged into these communities, but the, the community, yeah. at least to me, seems a little smaller maybe than, than the homebrew community. Now maybe that's because homebrewing is legal now and and when whatever, but uh, I'm kind of it's kind of interesting. I mean, do you do you think that uh, I mean, do you have thoughts on that? <laughs> no, I 100% agree. Okay. And the sad thing is that that because of that because that's the case, it's also hard for people to find really good information about it and how to start and how to be safe. 
and all that sort of stuff as well, which I guess we can talk about next. But um, yeah, and and I mean, uh, have you ever seen the uh, oh, what was it called? The I'm a home brewer ad that the um the American Home Brewers Association put out. No, it was absolutely genius. It was um, uh, I'll have, I'll see if I can find a link for you, man, and um and send it through, and you can can link it on this podcast. But it was a it was essentially like a slightly tongue in cheek ad that they made with um very sort of uh, otherwise well standing citizens apologetically admitting that they're a home brewer and and <laughs> you know illegally brewing in their shed type thing to make the point of this is ridiculous guys come on it's a we're not doing this to get pissed we're doing it because it's a hobby and yeah. we you know we love it and it's all about the geekery and the and chasing the craft of making something that's absolutely awesome yeah. um and there's starting the reason I say that is I'm starting to see a little bit of a resurgence within the home distilling communities to sort of push that. And and I think a big part of this is is the perception that the public have of distilling and that it is sort of, you know, the stereotypical um, undesirables creating horrible liquor that'll make you go blind and, and you know, bootlegging it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, yeah, sure, like, whatever that happens, but any hobby you can name under the sun is going to have some sort of bad aspect to it if you want it to, do you know what I mean? True, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, this is true yeah. for, for anything, for, as you said, even for, for home brewing, you know, you can, you can do stuff that yeah. really harm yourself yeah. um, if you're not or, cleaning properly. Or home-killed meat or yeah. anything, you know, like, you, you can, you know, you can be selling it on the side and you know, not taking care of your, your hygiene practices and getting people sick or whatever as well. So it's, yeah, it, it is a shame that it has that stigma attached to it, I guess. And um, that I think that's one of the things that really needs to be counteracted. There is a movement in America at the moment um, sort of fighting for this, and there was a certain, a certain group that were trying to legislate, and they were getting um, getting some headway with it uh unfortunately it looks like they've had a little bit of a setback now um i don't understand american politics enough to to really tell you what was happening but they were trying to um piggyback home distilling legislation change on the back of i think it was the um craft distilling tax laws or something like that okay um uh, and that all sort of fell through yeah. Um, yeah, which is uh, unfortunate, um, but you know, onward and upward. Maybe there'll be another chance somewhere. Yeah. Um, but you wanted to talk about sort of the safety aspect of it as well, and the perceptions people have, yeah. and whether that's a yeah, an yeah. issue too. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and uh, I guess we can go on ahead and he- go on and head on into this. Wow. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> let's uh, yeah, let's try yeah. this. So, um, I just from you know, like, maybe we can just talk about the stigma. I mean, I think that for example, um, when I was when I was doing uh, my distilling videos, and even even though it is legal here in Germany, um, up to 500 milliliters, there's still this stigma here, and people are asking me, um, you know, even my girlfriend was asking me, like, is this safe to drink? Are you, are you going to go, you mm. know, people are asking me, are are you going to go blind from drinking this? And um, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of, you know, it's it's really a mainstream perception out there. And, um, you know, as you said, that really there, are, there are some resources out there, and... <clears throat> But it still depends on which videos you find or which which resources you're looking at um, that you'll find really. So 
there's definitely clear information of what not to do if you look hard enough. But uh, mm. it's maybe not always. Uh, there, there tends to be a lot of, I think, as well, people who are just, well, the whole thing is just dangerous. Don't do it. And so um, yeah. maybe we can just talk about uh, this and kind of the, the perceptions and maybe where this stuff comes from um, surrounding of this. Course. So Yeah, totally. So I think there's two main sort of safety perceptions that people have in terms of distilling or, or specifically home distilling. And the first is you're going to blow yourself up, right? Like people are saying, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to blow your shit up or blow the still <laughs> up or whatever. Um, and to be honest, there is some grounds to this. You're distilling alcohol, which is a highly flammable liquid, uh, as a liquid at high ABV, so anything over, um, I'm exactly sure the exact point, but it's just over 40%, I think, where it will burn and burn very quickly and violently. <laughs> and even more uh, to the point is at, at a, as a vapor, if it's got the right sort of percentage of alcohol vapor and oxygen, it can be explosive as well. So there is something to that. In saying that, the same thing goes for a gas barbecue or, you know, <laughs> that's true. That's, a okay, combustion could, could engine touche. or, yes, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> candles next to your bed or, yeah. you know, like there's, it's just, yeah, there's a, a long list of things that will burn you or blow you up in your everyday life if you're an idiot. And uh, so the name of the game is to not be an idiot. Um, and, and on that level, the, the main thing is to make sure that you're still um, isn't leaking vapor. Okay. For one, so if you imagine you've got you know the 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 wash, which is essentially the um, well, you've covered this in your in your YouTube yeah. video, isn't any But just for anyone else listening that's not sure, the wash is the 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 basically the liquid that you've taken um, after your fermentation. So it's you know sitting at somewhere sort of between six to twelve percent normally. That's in the boiler at the bottom, and you're heating that boiler up to um, essentially evaporate the alcohol off first. So now you've got alcohol as vapor moving through your still, and if your still has a little hole in it or one of the gaskets isn't seated properly or whatever, that alcohol vapor could be escaping out of the still. Um, and obviously, especially if you're using a, a gas fire or any sort of fire as your heat source, I, I think you can see the problem there, right? Um, so that <laughs> that's number one, which isn't hard to do, and there are easy ways to check if you have a leak. And then if you do have a leak, there's even easier ways to fix it um, a, a, as you're running. Um, do do still explosions happen? I mean, has this been? I mean, uh, I don't know. I haven't heard anything, but I also don't really look for it. I mean, yeah, N no, there's so. I mean, it, they do happen. Um, like I, I can't say that it's never happened. It does happen, but statistically, it's to the point where it's um, it's virtually yes, irrelevant. It's probably, if that makes sense. Yeah, probably more dangerous to uh, to actually. But I mean, I guess this is one of the reasons for always ventilating as well, in case there. So there is no exactly. of gas. Um, yep, yep. I kind of. And, and for, exa for example, New Zealand, it's been legal here for quite some time, and the the stats on it here, it's the same. It's just it's not in. It's really just not an issue. Okay. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, ventilation and watching the stillers, <laughs> like num those yeah. are the golden rules. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much, dude. Yep. Make yeah. sure your still's not not leaking. Don't walk away from your still if your still's running. You you hang out with it because um, there are a number number of other things that could go wrong as well, um, both to ruin the product and to you know ruin your equipment or um, do something potentially dangerous. 
especially if you're using fire once again. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the second one is obviously when you are distilling it, if you've got um, alcohol that's coming off at, you know, uh, upwards of 90% or um, 180 proof, then you just need to be aware that that is essentially uh, a flammable liquid, you know, so treat it with a little bit of respect, treat it like you would gasoline or or diesel or anything else, um, you know, keep it out of reach of kids and keep it in a safe place, essentially, and that, if you follow those things, you've pretty much taken that whole uh, fire and, and blowing things up off the table uh, right off the bat. Yeah, which is pretty, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So the second one, that, uh, the second safety thing that always comes up is, am I going to go blind? <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> hear I this all the said, time. <laughs> yeah, did you get asked that question? Uh, I, got, you... I got asked this question, and then I also got people responding saying things like, no, this comes from the fact that people used to use antifreeze or like air conditioning, yeah. whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't think that's true, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. So maybe we can discuss this and kind of dispel some of this stuff. Like, what, where does this come from? What is this actually, you know... Uh, you know, especially for people who haven't been exposed to distilling before, we can just kind of, of discuss what, what what's the deal here. So, yeah, so so essentially, what it's referencing is methanol poisoning, which is a very real thing. Um, it will mess you up. It will make you go blind, and it will kill you. The thing is that distilling doesn't create methanol at all like you basically when you when you're distilling something all you're doing is separating what you've already got in the wash out into different fractions and then choosing which fractions you're going to keep and which you're going to discard so if there's not methanol in the wash to begin with you're not creating methanol as you distill so essentially you've got you're more likely to have a higher chance of getting methanol and like you you will be drinking methanol in beer for example it's just that there's so little of it that it's it's not an issue um and the the funny thing is the treatment for methanol poisoning is to drink alcohol because it <laughs> basically it, it, it competes for the same sort of processes in your bodies in your body to be taken up if that makes sense so you're sort of i, I guess kind of diluting it yeah. <laughs> the body interesting interesting <laughs> Yeah, so then the, then the question is, well, you know, so if there is methanol in, in the wash, what happens to it when we distill it? And there are, this is one of those things that's, I guess, not controversial. I guess it's, uh, it's pretty hotly debated within the home distilling community. Um, and there is evidence to say that the methanol will come off more at the beginning of a run, but I've also seen evidence to say that it will come off during the whole run or even more in the tails as well. Um, but at the at the end of the day, it, it almost doesn't... It's not that it doesn't matter, it's just that it, it's such a small part of what's in the wash to begin with that you would have to essentially take a huge wash and just take the methanol out of it. Some like just literally separate just the methanol out, and then drink just that by itself which, to have any hope of doing yourself some harm. Essentially, which, yeah. For for anybody that's, I mean, uh, just correct me if I'm wrong, but this is also the first thing that comes out. So it's it's. I mean, and it's separated quite far from where you would normally collect uh, what you would want to drink. So it's it's not it's not like it's it's also. Uh, you, you have to do this intentionally almost, I guess, right? 
or just not collect yeah. until. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying too. There is there is sort of there is evidence showing that that sometimes how do I let's back up a second. So basically, distilling when you start heating the wash, the idea is that the most volatile chemicals come off first. Um, so the the higher alcohols and the idea and the theory there being too would be that methanol would would come off near the beginning of the run because it's got a lower boiling point than the alcohols that we do want. In practice, it seems like that is not entirely the case and that it just doesn't work that cleanly, I guess, that um, you're going to, it's almost like an average over time. So yeah. you're going to get methanol coming over at any given point in time during the run and it may be concentrated in, in more um, or more concentrated at certain points in time. And but honestly, this is one of the things that I really wanted to do on the channel. I want to get access to like a, a gas mass spec or an HPLC or something yeah, that'd be and really just take cool. samples. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would over a awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I'm working on it, dude. I'm working on it. Um, um, yeah, it might happen. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah, That's, I hope so, yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've never a... heard of anybody acquiring one of those. It's, that would be really cool just to have as a, a fun little, like, what's in anything, you know, kind of thing. Oh, there's no way I'm going to have one myself, dude. Okay, They're, oh, uh, just to borrow. Very or... expensive okay. machines, but yeah, I might have access to, um, I might have someone that can that can help me out. And um, yeah, if I do it, I'll, I'll come back and talk to you about it again yeah. and, and leave. Um, but yeah, so essentially, yeah, you're correct. The the idea is that that you take the um, the four shots off first, and you throw those away. And the methanol debate is kind of um, up in the air still about that. I I don't have the information myself, and there's a lot of people that I respect that, you know, half of them will say yes, it's all in the heads, and half of them will say no, it's not just in the heads. So I'm still um, kind of, it's on the fence, little, right? yeah. I'm a little agnostic about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what is true, definitely, is that the the four shots that come off first, there is a whole lot of other nasty stuff in there that you want to throw away as well. Mm. Um, it like, tastes nasty basically, anyways. <laughs> it does, dude, yeah. And it will give you a killer headache um, and burn like buggery on the way down. So, yeah, you want you want to get rid of that at the beginning as well. And then even from there, there's then after the... Um, so after the four shots come off, then you have... Uh, the heads and uh, essentially, you know, partially the same stuff as in the four shots, but just at a, a lower concentration. You're not going to use those either. Um, yeah. Until you start getting down into your hearts or, or what you really want to keep. Um, but, but sorry. Wow, we went round in a huge circle there. No, but just no, to I double think, back think, to, yeah. the, <laughs> to the safety and going blind stuff. So the the uh, the tale that is told within home distilling circles is that m pretty much any time you hear of someone getting methanol poisoning, it's because someone did something really dodgy in terms of cutting their alcohol down by intentionally adding something to it that contains methanol, if that okay. makes sense. Yeah, so it's not that, I mean, at the end you get that really high concentrated stuff and then you add water, but you're saying then you would add, like, antifreeze? Is this, is this a real thing that people add, or...? Uh... Some... Like and I think most of this, it's, I don't think that's that they would add antifreeze. I mean, God knows when you're doing that sort of stuff, why why would you do that sort of stuff? But I, I that just boggles my mind. But honestly, I think it comes down to people trying to make money, right? They're trying to they're trying to you know if, if you're running a bootlegging operation and you can cut your product down with something else that's even cheaper, 
means you make more money. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, moral of the story is uh, don't buy shady products from shady people. <laughs> I think that's, uh, yeah, that's great universal life advice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for everything that just goes everywhere even if you're trying to buy photoshop from some guy on the street i don't know but uh yeah um i think we we definitely we definitely address this and uh i think it's just it's good to just talk about this because it's something that people really uh i mean it's it's common that people that people think this and um you yeah. know of course there is some inherent danger but there is also inherent danger in anything so um, exactly, and I think yep. as well this thought about you know con- all you know distilling is just the process of concentrating stuff. So you could think about it. Depends on how much you're you're actually distilling as well. For example, I mean I'm distilling maybe four liters, and uh, I think that there were you know really crazy uh, couples of days where I've had you know four liters of beer. You know I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Exactly. You know it's yeah. it's kind of you have to think about it this way, but. Anyways, yeah. uh, let's. Uh, we can exactly the same. We can move on to yeah. more fun stuff now. Um, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually. Have you actually mentioned your channel? I don't, I don't think so. Have you? You've mentioned which your uh, your channel is actually called. It's. No, no, sorry, okay. I didn't. Um, so the channel's called Still It, uh, and you can find it on YouTube. Um, probably easiest just to, I guess, Google Still It, or you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the handle Chase the Craft. Nice. And uh, yeah. do you want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you've distilled already? Uh, just like kind of, and maybe your journey with distilling on your YouTube channel. Just maybe some stuff that yeah. that people might not know about this, or maybe that you'd be kind of you know interested in sharing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, when I got started, I, I because I was running the channel, I guess I had uh, two conflicting things that I was trying to accomplish. One being I just wanted to make stuff that was fun for me and something that I wanted to drink. And also I was, you know, using it as a excuse to create content as well. So for me personally, what I really wanted to get into was making essentially a, um, a impersonation scotch or, or single malt. That was kind of what got me motivated about it in the first place and what's passionate for me and what I like drinking. And I think I mentioned to you last night when we had a quick chat um, that spirits in New Zealand are really expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I mean, how, much, pretty bad. how much would a bottle of vodka cost, let's say? Um, it, it, to be honest, it's actually gotten a little bit better lately, okay. I think. I'd be interested to hear what other New Zealanders say on that. But um, a bottle of vodka, oh, 40 bucks probably at least. Oh, wow. For, okay, for so that's New half Ze- decent. So two euros, that's like, let's see, uh, okay, 20 euros, which is, that's maybe, okay, that's that's after it's gone down a little bit in price. But um, for something like a bottle of scotch, what are you looking at there? Oh, dude, I mean... Oh, Scotch is the sky's the limit with Scotch, that's right? That's true. Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, that was maybe not, not, a, not a brilliant question, but, but maybe something like like Laphroaig or or something that's maybe like not a, not rock gut, but yeah. something a step above that. Yeah. So uh, Laphroaig ten, you're probably looking at a hundred dollars. Okay, which is uh, yeah. for anybody playing along, it's about sixty euros, which is really expensive. Uh, I mean, in comparison to what you can get that for here, I think you can get it for yeah. like, twenty or thirty euros. Yeah, it's almost I twice hate the you. price. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just come to Europe. We'll just uh, smuggle some back. But uh, I think yeah, the, the plane dude. ticket. 
Is so is the reason for this just because it's so in general is is New Zealand expensive? Are you paying a lot because it's just so out out of the way? Uh, I mean, is it like yeah? Okay, I think actually yeah. I mean, it's hard to get stuff down here, right? We've got a small population. There's only a little over four million people here. Um, so if you're sending something to New Zealand, you're not going to be selling, you know, comparatively large volumes of it. Um, you know, any major city in Europe or America's probably bigger in population <laughs> by itself than <laughs> New Zealand. So there's that. And we've also got some pretty, um, or relatively steep liquor tax laws as well. So, you know, we're paying on that bottle of spirits. We probably, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's probably sort of 15 to $20 just in tax. Okay. Um, well, plus, and plus sales tax and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, yeah. So that was kind of why I, I always wanted to get into scotch, especially, and always wanted, always sort of thought that I would enjoy it. Once again, coming from craft beer, um, and I liked the the same sort of geekery that propo- sort of proposed itself for Scotch, and just uh, couldn't justify, you know, buying it on a a regular basis. So that was my personal sort of drive for it. Um, and I've made one uh, quote unquote Scotch. People would get very angry at me for for calling it that, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess it didn't take seven years. <laughs> no, well, and it's not made in Scotland either. Oh, okay, so. yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's probably the primary yeah. requirement. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, for me, it's like I mean, it's obviously I'm not trying to sell it. It's just an impersonation. I'm making it for myself, yes. and the word Scotch is the easiest way to describe it. So, and yeah. How did, I, I how, did you, how did it come out? Um, it's still it's only been down for it's been about four months now. Okay. Um, so it was supposed to be a all grain. Um, made entirely from malted barley. Okay. Uh, I screwed up and did some calculations incorrectly and put too much water into it. Uh-huh. Um, so I decided to add some just some um, cane sugar to it as well, which is a bit uh, a bit bit of a disappointment, but it is yeah. what it is, you know. Yeah, you, yeah, it happens. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> I've um, yeah. And then distilled it out, and the distilling, that, that went really well, actually, for that one. Um, and it's been sitting on uh, oak. Now, I don't distill in large enough um, quantities to warrant putting it into casks or barrels. So instead, I uh, keep it in glass containers and put the oak into the glass, um, kind of the other way around, if that yeah. makes sense. yeah. Uh, and that's been chilling for about four months now. Okay. Um, yeah, and I've I've heard tell that um, for something like that, the uh, the key times are three months, six months, a year, and then sort of eighteen months. And I definitely noticed that right around three months, it got significantly better. Um, so I've uh, I pulled one bottle off, and I've um, been drinking that. I actually put it into an old Laphroaig bottle and didn't wash the bottle out to give it a bit of a peaty boost. Okay, nice. And, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying that at the moment. That's it's it's not great, I must admit. Like it's not, you know, it's definitely not. Um, it's no Laphroaig, that's for sure. But it's um it's very enjoyable and I'm liking it. So hopefully, if I uh, can stay patient and not drink it all, <laughs> give it another year or so, and it might be quite good. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, that was the the Scotch. Uh, I think the first thing that I did was, um, it was it's called uh, Teddy Sad's Fast Fermenting Vodka, and uh, basically Teddy Sad is a guy from New Zealand who's a bit of an old hat at this stuff. He knows his stuff, 
and he wanted to make a recipe that was all about speed. So it would ferment out super dry, which means all the sugar's been used up by the yeast, and do it really quick. Um, basically, so you can just keep turning the stuff around if you want to. If you want to have a little production line, or you know, like make make your um, vodka for the next year in <laughs> a certain amount of time, you you can. Um, and that was really good. That, I really enjoyed that process. That was fun. And the best thing about it is if you're new to it and you want to get into distilling, it's a super easy easy recipe. It's just a sugar head, so that means you don't have to. You're not messing around with enzymes or a mash or um, you know converting starch to sugar or anything like that. You literally just use cane sugar and then you use um, all bran or is it called all bran for you? I guess. Uh, I um, don't know. Is, what is what is this? Um, um, it's like wheat, but it's uh, like oatmeal. Oh, like whole wheat. Oh, oh just okay. like just the bran of of the of the wheat, I guess. Yeah, it's okay. cool. you quite often see it in um cereal. Okay, I think it is actually like just called bran. So I think you're right. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just an idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, okay. I was trying to. I'm my wife's American, and I was born in Australia, grew up in New Zealand with ties to other places too so i can never remember which which word, word is, is the right one <laughs> yeah i'm yeah. sure you get the same yeah, thing yeah. I, I, I definitely get this I, my, my girlfriend is british and i also then just completely mix up and just being here in germany and yeah just i don't know that happens <laughs> so um so uh, yeah, if so people, you, for the for the vodka real quick um if people want to yeah. find that they can just go to your channel i guess and be able to find yeah. okay so we'll we'll definitely link your channel in the description of this uh this podcast or you can just search for still it and then find this video if you're interested in maybe trying if you know if if it's legal uh in your area and you want to get into distilling maybe this uh vodka is a good thing to to check out it's a awesome beginner's recipe man it, okay. it really is it, it's um yeah and the reason i say that is well it depends where you want to go if you want to go absolutely dirt simple and and just as easy as you can get there's other things that are easier um, but the reason I like this one is because it gives you a little bit of geekery to get into, but it doesn't force you to do the um, the enzymes or the mash, and it gives you an awesome result. And like I said, I mean, this one came off for me the still at about 92%, and then I water it back down to 40%. But the amount of flavor that's in that is 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 really amazing to me. It was a real eye-opener to see, um, you know, just how much flavor can carry over even when you're distilling 92% of what you've got in there is just alcohol, you know. It, it was um yeah, really interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. And the cool thing about cool thing about making something like that, man, is that um we talked about this last night as well and and I think referenced it quickly this morning is um doing infusions, right? Like so you can then take that and and flavor it with other things, which is really fun because you can make a big batch big batch of vodka and then split it up into you know, 10 different flavors that you can make with it or something like that. So that's a lot of fun for people. That's, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and then you can just kind of, I don't know, if you are if you have the ability to, just to to give this to people as a, <laughs> as a party gift. It seems like kind of a nice personalized party gift you could, you could uh, get somebody. Um, I wish we could, man. So in New Zealand, uh, it, it's totally legal to distill it, and yeah. it's totally legal to make it for yourself. But the letter of the law basically says that as soon as it's not you drinking it, you may have a problem. Um, <laughs> even if, for example, it's pretty it's, crazy. Even for example, if it's like your wife, I guess legally it's uh, it's not legal. 
right? Correct. It's, okay, that's, yep. that's kind so of, she's got to do it herself then. <laughs> correct, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of a, I guess it's kind of a case of, I don't, this is not legal advice to anyone, but, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're not being an idiot, then you're probably going to be all right, yeah. you know, like, as long as you're not selling it, um, and so on and so forth, you, you, you're probably good. But that's yeah. the, yeah, the letter of the law is, is, um, is it's for your personal use huh. only. So I've you, always wondered what happens if you get, you know, 15 people together and you all make it together. What happens, yeah. If, if yeah. somebody just touches the <laughs> stool, I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I stirred the pot once, like, whatever, like, I don't exactly. know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Uh, do you know, just, I, we briefly talked about this, but do you know why it's legal as opposed to, I mean, is this historically it's been legal forever or is this something recent that it switched over to being legal? No. Um, I can't remember. I think it was, uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember exactly when it changed, but it's been, I think, a good 15, 20 years now. Okay. And to be honest, I don't know exactly what triggered it. Hmm. Um, it just, it seemed like it just kind of, happened and it's interesting to me too because i see it as a huge opportunity for um craft spirits to become in new zealand what craft beer became in america after you know uh, hobby distilling was was legalized when you can do it in your own shed and you can tinker with it and you can be open about it and try things that will naturally lead to people that then take the next step and go professional um or so i would have thought yeah, but I mean, actually, this this really brings up one of the the points I'd like to talk about now is 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 yeah. there currently a, let's say a New Zealand style liquor or spirit or something that's come from come from this? Actually, Has, have people developed a a style or is there something that people are starting to do that's different than you know maybe has been done before? No, there's really not. <laughs> I mean, honestly, okay, yeah. let's say though, 15 years is quite, quite, uh, it's not that long actually for, for something no. developed. And so, I mean, I think we're starting now to see, you know, really home brewing take off, but it's been around, I would say in mainstream for about almost, yeah, 30, 40 years almost now. So 35 years, you, yeah. it's been legal in most places. So, um, I guess like, Maybe this is one of the things. Maybe we just need to sit on it for a little bit longer. But I mean, is there? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are there are New Zealand distillers that are doing very well, um, and and I think probably gin is the the thing that's leading in New Zealand. Okay. Um, but you know, it's not necessarily a different style. There are some people playing around with uh, native New Zealand botanicals to mix in with gin, okay. which is really interesting <clears throat> for me. I really get into that. Yeah, that's. I mean, um, I love that. Uh, can you? I mean, maybe can you just touch on just what some of those botanicals are, or what what actually grows in New Zealand naturally? Yeah, for sure. Um, so New Zealand is this is the weirdest place I, I've ever heard of when it comes to natural uh, or native flora and fauna. Essentially, we don't have a lot of anything down here, and I guess because we're so separated, um, you know, by from landmass. From anywhere else in the world for such a long history, the evolution of New Zealand flora and fauna was is very separated from the rest of the world. So we've got one native mammal, which is a bat, and a couple of a couple of reptiles, and other than that, it's pretty much just birds. <laughs> and it's a weird place, and because of it, you know, that's why we've got such those, those insanely strong um, import 
laws for anything that's uh, growable or, or viable as a seed or animal or anything like yeah. that as well. Yeah. For example, uh, the settler, early settlers decided that they would bring rabbits into New Zealand um, to make it feel a little bit like home. And because there's nothing to eat rabbits in New Zealand, they've literally just turned into a plague. Um, it, you know, like so the cute little bunny rabbit. Yeah. My wife, when she first got here from, from California, you know, coming from Conejo Valley and stuff, oh my gosh, look at the cute little rabbit. And we're trying to run it over with the car. <laughs> <laughs> so just to set the scene yeah. for New Zealand. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the plants have sort of, you know, obviously evolved to, to fit in that ecosystem as well. Um, so we've got, I, I think probably the most famous thing that we would have is probably manuka. Everyone, I'm, I'm guessing that most people overseas have heard of manuka honey. Okay, um, yeah. And the manuka is basically, it's pretty, well, it's very closely related to tea tree from Australia and, and other places have tea tree as well. Um, so, and, and the, the honey's, the honey's awesome. So some people are distilling or adding that into um, products as well, but it's also a pretty cool uh, botanical. Okay. Um, so you can use the, the leaves and, you know, a gin head or something like that as well. Um, uh, there's uh, another one that's quite popular is kawakawa, which is like a big sort of broad-shaped, um, almost like a heart-shaped leaf, which has a, a, a strange sort of scent as well. Like I guess it's in some ways similar to bay. Okay. Yeah but a little bit more sort of floral. Um, I, 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 a lot of them I don't really have a reference point to describe what they, they just, there's not anything else that they really smell like. Um, yeah, and, and honestly, it's one of those things that I've been thinking would be pretty cool because I like the idea of distilling being almost a um, an indicator or almost a litmus test of sort of where you're from, which is yeah. I think probably what you were getting at before, right? Yeah, 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 at the beginning, yeah. Uh, yeah, sort of making it... Um, Kind of, it, yeah, it's, it's very cultural. I mean, and I think maybe yeah. maybe because of the flexibility that you have with it, you know, beer is kind of a, I mean, beer is great and there's a lot of things you can do with beer, but it kind of has a set rigid recipe of this is how you make beer and this, you have to add hops yeah. and you have to add that. And um, I, I've I've actually had beer at some places, for example, where they, they've taken the hops out and they've used other local um, plants, which was awesome. Mm. And that was, that was incredible. Cool. Um there's a place specifically in Riga, if anybody is traveling to Riga, like I definitely recommend it. I think it's called Labidius, something like this. <clears throat> Amazing brewery where they just use like wild, uh, just herbs and stuff. And um, I would love to see this more with, with beer. Um, but yeah, but with liquor, you do see this, you know, and, and you, yeah. do see, um, you see people putting in local flowers and, you know, local herbs and I think that, you know, sometimes it's pretty, cult it's pretty, uh, how, do, how do you say this, like, um, you need to grow up in the area to, to be accustomed to that kind of liquor. But I think that's also kind of what makes yeah. it fun, you know, like, so, um, totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if you look any, pretty much anywhere in the world and you see what their, um, main spirit is that they drink, it tends to be whatever they feed their animals. <laughs> <laughs> so, so scotch is made from barley and that's because barley is, you know, the most plentiful starch source that they've got. If you go to America, then it's, um, <laughs> you know, corn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it is, it's kind of like a, it's a way of expressing, you know, that, that area. Yeah. And it goes more like, you know, for scotch, it's, it's then the peats dug up out of the ground and then that's used to, to malt and to kiln everything. Yeah. And then the smoke from the peat gets back into it as well. And, yeah. you know, so it, it is a very, 
um, personal expression of a location, I think. And I, I think sometimes home distillers get a little bit carried away with trying to um, represent or recreate something from somewhere else, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Which is which is really cool. I think that's awesome. But at the same time, I think um, you gotta drink it. You gotta <laughs> you gotta make something. Yeah. You know, like uh, well, and you and and also like try and make something that's you. Like yeah, that, that's that, true. Yeah. What can you get your hands on? Like what's special about your area? What does your area have that could um, you know, really make a drink special or different or unique, I guess. Yeah. And I, I guess I'm, I've been trying to get to the point where I understand the process well enough based on copying other recipes to be able to then start messing around with my own, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's and, exciting. And I think I'm just starting to get there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that'll be exciting to see on your channel as well to see you start to really venture out and try some crazy stuff. Um, I'm definitely yeah. interested in this kind of stuff. Um, just really quickly, I want to go back to just uh, the to plants growing in New Zealand. I just want to say that I know that there's so many <laughs> awesome, awesome hops that are currently being grown in New Zealand. Yeah, and it's uh, yep. it's really uh, it's amazing. Actually, there was I can't remember which is it. I think Glacier is is from uh, New Zealand. Um, I'm not uh, sure if that's true or not. But there's definitely. I've been a little out of the loop for okay. a while now, to be honest. There was there was some uh, there was some uh, like hops. I was really like at some point I was really into home brewing and I was trying all the different types of hops. And there was like a strain from there were a couple strains from New Zealand and they were just they were killer. They were you know everything I love about hops. <laughs> yeah, my I think my favorite is probably Rewalker. Okay, I don't know that one. Um, oh yeah, that, that's check that out for sure. That's okay. It's definitely worth checking out. Um. But yeah, I, I I love the fact that New Zealand is sort of getting is making a name for itself on the global um, beer scene, I guess. Yeah. With hops, which is is pretty cool. Um, and for a little country like us, that's that's something to be proud of. I think you know it, it, it's a it's a good thing. And I've got friends that are brewers. Um, there's a a great if you guys are ever in New Zealand, make sure you um, check out Brave in uh hastings or brew union in palmerston north um a couple of guys i know that are professional brewers and you know from their point of view being able to have access to to these sort of like world-class ingredients that are coming right from your back door is um is pretty special you know yeah and being able to to play with recipes that maybe even ahead of time from other people you know that the big boys can't do I mean, um, yeah, it's yeah. it's an exciting time in New Zealand in the beer world in New Zealand for sure. That's pretty awesome. Um, okay, um, I think that at some point we should probably uh, wrap this up so that you know you can go on with your life, and I'm not gonna <laughs> <laughs> not keep you here the whole. But um, it's been really awesome talking to you, and uh, I've had a really great time uh, with this with this little discussion. Uh, one last thing I wanted to leave you on this one, the really the one thing I know about uh, New Zealand is. Um, there was a physicist uh, called Roy Kerr, and he came up with this thing called the uh, Kerr metric, which is basically if you have a, a black hole and you have Einstein's equations and you take the black hole and you start rotating it, you can solve it and like there's just a set of equations for this. And so there was this guy that was actually from New Zealand. He, I think he came to, he went to like I think he went to Scotland or something like this. Um, he derived all of this really crazy stuff. And then he just decided one day he was just like he he did this he published his papers on his solutions to the Einstein field equations and you know he said okay yeah if you have a rotating black hole like this is how it works 
And then he just said, yeah, I'm done. He went back to Scotland and became a fisherman. <laughs> or sorry, he, sorry, went back to New Zealand and became a fisherman. And he just lived the rest of his life in New Zealand. And it was just in like the past, I think like 20 years ago, people started doing these equations for rotating black holes. And they're like, you know, they find this paper and they're like, who the hell is this Kerr guy? And like, they like, can't find him. They don't know where he went to. And they finally like trace back and they're like, did he die? Like what happened? And they find out that... um no, he he went back to New Zealand, and they went to they actually went out and like looked for him, and uh, they found him, and he's got he is apparently running some fishing uh like some fishing operation in in Christ, Christchurch, and uh, has just been there like for the past like fifty years, and uh, they've been really trying to get him to come back and like talk about this you know these great solutions that he came up with because they're really I mean. They're they're amazing and they're they're really something that's special. He just he's like yeah, but you know I'm just kind of over with that. Like I was done with it. Like I, I did that. I I solved the Einstein field equations for rotating black hole. I'm kind of done with that for the rest of my life. I just think that's kind of a really cool thing to do, you know. <laughs> so yeah, maybe we so, should all be more like him. <laughs> that is uh, that's about as New Zealand as you can get, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that. So New Zealanders on the whole are awesome, absolutely awesome at coming up with the sort of Kiwi ingenuity is what we call it here. <laughs> um, it's like you've got a problem, you've got a set of tools or opportunities to solve the problem, and New Zealanders are just, for whatever reason, I guess maybe the farming, sort of agricultural, just get stuff done, get shit done sort of attitude. We're good at solving the problem, but then, you know, like we tend to not be interested at all about um, bragging about it or you know we're um, disgustingly we go out of our way to avoid any sort of uh, recognition for it and then we also tend to go out of our way to make sure that we don't um, take that and run with it or commercialize it or <laughs> anything yeah. like that yeah, yeah. And, and, and that might sound like a good thing but um, it, it can definitely be a weird New Zealand yeah, there's this thing here called the tall poppy syndrome, which is basically you. Uh, I don't know whether that's a thing anywhere else or it's just a New, New Zealandism. I've never heard. But of it's it. essentially, oh right, yeah. You, you don't want to be the tall poppy. You don't want to be the one growing up above ah, okay. the crowd so because okay. the tall poppy gets cut off. You know. Ah, okay. Um, so there's this kind of this whole weird thing going on in New Zealand where you don't, you know, you don't want to be seen to be successful almost, or you don't want to be seen to be standing out somehow. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so for someone to do that, like to go out there and just do something that's like world class, and then go, yeah, that was fun. I'm going to go back to being, you know, running fishing charters or whatever. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't heard that story, man. That's yeah. really fascinating. Yeah. Um, what was his name again? His name was, uh, I think, Roy Kerr was his name. All right. I'm yeah. Look up. <laughs> yeah. It definitely was. I have to look up the story too. And you know, the the terrible thing is, this is all recorded. So if I if I got the story completely wrong, it's like I'm gonna be stuck with that. So <laughs> that's the one thing is, you know, you, you can tell a story normally, and uh, if it's not true, maybe you can just be like, yeah, yeah, I didn't I didn't mean it like that. But if it's recorded, it's a little bit legally binding. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. somebody's gonna be like, no, you got that story entirely wrong. You just made it up. Uh, but I think yeah. it, was, it was actually told. I I can say this though that it was told to me by my general relativity general relativity professor so if uh oh, you know if anybody gets mad they can they can contact fulvio amelia uh dr ah. fulvio amelia and uh, and go after him <laughs> so um yeah i think actually this would be a good point to stop and uh yeah it was really nice having you on the the podcast and hopefully we'll have cool you know we'll, maybe we'll have more contact with you and and yeah. uh, you know i hope your channel is going well and um yeah we'll just continue with that
So. Oh, it's been an absolute blast, man. Thanks for having me and um, thanks for talking. It's been been a lot of fun. And I'd, yeah, I'd love to, to come back and give you an update or, or answer any other questions that anyone has. Well, that was an awesome interview. And I think we'll definitely need to get him back on the show, hopefully with both of us at some point. For sure. And I think that also just the, the I mean, we could have talked for, I think, another hour or two. It was, there's no uh, cease, uh, <laughs> cease of topics there. There was a lot of cool stuff that we could have talked about. So um, if you have questions for uh, Jesse as well, um, feel free to message us. Maybe next time we could actually ask him uh, your questions and um, or just contact him directly as well. Yeah, and of course, uh, check out Jesse's channel. I'm sure we'll link it everywhere that it's uh, obvious. And uh, thank you for watching. Thank you. Bye.